Big news from uh, NASA today. Once again, uh, regarding Mars, Perseverance, the uh, rover that, of course, has uh, been on Mars uh, for some time now, starting to get some more uh, sounds, actually. Some sounds from uh, Perseverance. Uh, have a listen. Here's uh, two of uh, NASA's biggest and uh, brightest discussing just uh, exactly the uh, setup, what they're using to get these sounds from the red planet. One of the microphones is mounted on the mast and moves around as we point the cameras. The other microphone is mounted to the rover body and it stays fixed onto the port side of the rover. The two microphones that we sent were commercial off-the-shelf items. So these are things that you could just buy on the internet and we put these on our rover. It gives <laughs> Okay. I wasn't expecting that when I was watching this video this morning that, uh, you know, I thought these would be groundbreaking microphones that NASA developed themselves, Mary, that nobody had ever seen or heard of before, that they're super sensitive with obviously extraordinary range to go from Mars back here to Earth. But uh, no, apparently these are just a couple of microphones they bought off eBay and like duct tape to the rover. So you too can record Mars sound effects. Anybody can do it. No, you got to get to Mars first, though. Well, you know what? As a matter of fact, uh, Dave behind the board, he has uh, tapped in, I believe, to the Mars rover. Can you turn those microphones on? Can we hear what's going on on the red planet of Mars right now? Let the dogs out! Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Is that what's going on? Wow. <laughs> you know what? We might have scrambled the signals hmm. maybe we got a wire crossed hmm. or uh, something uh let's welcome our space expert uh, yes paul delaney in uh, here maybe he can make sense of all of this uh, for us uh paul that's not what's going on in mars right now is it uh, you take it from me the answer is no okay <laughs> maybe at mission control on occasion <laughs> love it all right well tell us a bit about the uh, latest sounds that uh, we are receiving uh, from mars what are we hearing what is it telling us about the red planet I really get a, a, a kick out of listening to these sorts of sounds. We, we haven't had very many opportunities to listen to the Martian environment. But when we have, you know, picture a dusty plain, a dusty atmosphere, a really cold sun there low to the horizon. Close your eyes and just listen to the sound. It, it places you in, you know, in this case, Yezero Crater. To me, it, it's as much art as it is science in this particular instance. But there is science that we get from the microphones, rest, rest assured. Uh, you know, when you're listening in to the sounds of an atmosphere, you're really listening in to the constituents of the atmosphere, you know, the way material sounds are being propagated through the atmosphere. It gives you insight to not just the composition, but to the, the entire environment, the way the sounds are being reflected and carried across the landscape. So there is science that we can glean from the microphones, although it's somewhat secondary compared to, for example, you know, digging into the ground or, in fact, imaging, laser zapping some of the rocks. But it does give us additional understanding to the local environment. Yeah, it's uh, interesting you said that this is as much art as it is a science, uh, Paul, because there is something I think about sound and I think about uh, music, and music is kind of like smells, right? Music is able to take you back to a certain place, a, a certain time, whenever you hear maybe one of your uh, favorite songs from uh, days gone by. And I'm wondering if that's the same maybe for you and for others and those that work at uh, NASA when it comes to the sounds on Mars. Is there just something about hearing some of that uh, atmospheric sound that transports you there in a way? Well, I think it does. Uh, you know, we, we as human beings 
live our environment with what we can see, what we can smell, but also what we can hear and touch, obviously. We can't touch Mars yet. I mean, we've got a few Mars rocks here. But the next best things we can do is to image, and we've been doing that lots, but now to be able to hear it as well, I think it makes the, the, the whole experience far more tangible. How many times have you gone up to the cabin and you've know, sat, sat out on the deck and you've just listened to the environment around you? And, and that's mm. you know, comforting in many ways when you get back to the city. Oh, gosh, let me go back to the, you know, to the country to be able to not just see the country, but to listen in. And sometimes that listening is, is very, very quiet listening. Same sort of thing here with the sounds we're hearing from Mars, in my opinion. Oh, great comparison. Great comparison. So what we're hearing right now uh, from Mars, what, if any thing is it telling us? What's kind of the big headline here, Paul, or is that something that NASA and astronauts and scientists are still trying to determine? Well, the very first thing that has come out from these sounds is Mars is able to propagate sound far further than we thought. Like everything about Mars, we are modeling Mars's environment. And then when we get there, we, we test those models to make sure that we're understanding the environment. We thought, based upon purely the atmospheric pressure and the composition of the atmosphere, that sound would not be able to carry very long distances. Well, that apparently is not quite the case. We're hearing things from further afield than we thought. Uh, If you listen to those sounds, the higher frequency end is missing. That's not a surprise. The atmosphere is very, very low density, low atmospheric pressure. So it's only the basal sounds, the the sort of long wavelength sounds that are carrying. But they are carrying much further. And so the models of the atmosphere are being already tweaked just by listening into a few hours worth of microphones. So that, that's the first thing that has happened. The other thing that they're very excited about, NASA is very excited about, is we can now actually listen to the movement of the rover. And anybody who drives a vehicle is always tuning in to how their vehicle sounds from day to day. And it's often an early warning diagnostic that, oh, there's something wrong there. Well, we can now do that with the Mars rover. We've got the, the mission controllers listening in to the sounds the rover is making as the instruments are moving, as the rover is moving, and they're using that, or at least they're hoping to use that, as an ongoing quick diagnostic of how the vehicle is weathering on the surface of Mars. And, you know, I was going to ask you, that leads to my next question. Are you surprised, Paul, maybe pleasantly surprised, that the rover is still functioning, it's still working, it's still traveling around Mars still sending us information back? No. I mean, the the Martian environment is very well understood now. I mean, we've been on the surface of Mars since 1976 with differing vehicles. So to be able to uh, expect longevity from these rovers, it's part and parcel. We know how to build them. We know how they will survive. Curiosity has been in Gale Crater since 2012. Uh, Opportunity lasted 14 years before it succumbed to the environment. So, no, I'm not at all surprised that Perseverance and Ingenuity of the little helicopter are doing so well, and I'm expecting long, lengthy lives from them. (laughs) Okay, then why is it uh, every second Skype call I'm on is either delayed or dropping out? (laughs) I'll take that up with the carrier. Don't take it up with NASA. (laughs) Yeah, I want to be on the plan they're on because, uh, yeah, it seems to be a lot more reliable. Paul, thanks as always. Really appreciate this. You're welcome, Jeff. Take care. Space expert Paul Delaney from York University with us. We're back after this break here on Global News Radio. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.